rights have it. I've been using Copilot and it's it's scary. So that's the good news. Obviously, it helps because you can make the product in the first place. Otherwise, you have to join up with someone who's going to make the product. But it also can be a uh, hindrance because what you like doing and what you know how to do is make the product. So everything else that has to be done in a business, which are many, uh, usually the technical founder doesn't do it enough or it's bad or something. So like the classic thing is, man, we're not growing enough. I'll add a feature. When one more feature is not why you're not growing, what you need to do is marketing, sales, get out there, talk to customers, figure things out. Yeah, but you don't want to do that. You're just this introvert Vulcan person that wants to go back in Visual Studio Code and, and see how cool get, get, Copilot is, which it is. But that's not that's not actually solving any of the problems facing the company. And so if you if you search on Twitter for stuff like uh, like indie hackers, that's it's all that. It's all like, I finally got to $1,600 in MRR after four years, and I got this cool feature coming out. It's like, I guarantee you that cool feature coming out is not what you should be doing. <laughs> after four years and you know it's you know so so it can be a hindrance too because you're just you're focused on, on just one aspect of the business on today's episode of Austinpreneur you'll learn from Jason Cohen who is the founder of WP Engine Jason is interviewed by Josh Bayer for his class Longhorn Startup at the University of Texas WP Engine is another breakout company initially built on the 16th floor at Capital Factory and now has a global footprint the company's raised nearly $300 million for their WordPress hosting platform, which serves over a billion requests per day for more than 200,000 customers. Jason studied computer science at UT, and he was an original mentor at Capital Factory in 2009. He has a widely followed business building blog called A Smart Bear, which he's written for since 2007. Get ready, Jason's thought-provoking business philosophy will have you questioning your own and leaning in the whole time. Welcome to Austinpreneur, our show about the stories that made Austin, Texas a global hub for startups. The show is produced by Capital Factory and hosted by me, Nick Spiller. As a reminder, by joining Capital Factory, you can plug into the ecosystem where the stories on the show were set. Learn more about us at CapitalFactory.com. Thank you, Jason, for spending your time with us today, because I'm sure there's a million other things happening that you're more than a thousand employees all over the world would love to talk to you about right now, or that your daughter or your family would. And so we're really lucky to have you here with us. So I want to let the students ask questions and make sure there's plenty of time for that. But I've got had you know the fortune of getting to spend some time with you, so to maybe set the stage a little bit, it'd be great to just revisit a little bit of the beginnings of WP Engine. Hopefully you've all seen the WP Engine sign on the, the building downtown. They've got a big office downtown and have for a long time. But they have offices all over the world now. And maybe you can tell everybody what it does. Today is the pitch. I don't think it's that different than the pitch was when you started. And then, yeah, how you got the inspiration for it, how you got started. Sure, OK. So. <clears throat> At SmartBear, that was my previous company, I started a blog because back then blogs were cool. And so I thought, this will be the company blog, which was why it was called A SmartBear. And then everyone would write on it, and that would be our voice. And then, and then no one wrote on it but me, which probably did explain something about the culture. But anyway, so I sold the company in 2007. I, that was like six years into that bootstrapping journey. And I left in 2009 because my wife was pregnant. And I was like, oh, you know, I sold the company. It's been a long time. I could be at home. So I was a stay-at-home dad for a year. 
which was great. And uh, writing on the blog was like this nice project where there was no deadlines and no requirements. Of what, I didn't need it to make money or anything like that. So it was a way to stay intellectually connected with the rest of the world in this weird time frame that you have when you have kids, in which your brain is scrambled and you can't think about anything. You all don't know anything about that, which is good. But then it got really popular, just because you know I was, that's all I was doing, that and taking care of this little baby. And so, so then it started crashing every time I get on Hacker News, which is still a popular link sharing site. But I get on the front page, sometimes number one, every Monday, which is when I would post, because that, that link sharing site, the stuff I wrote, that's the kind of stuff those folks like. And so I would get there, and then the site would crash. And that's the worst possible thing, because that's where all the traffic is when you get on Hacker News. In fact, if you looked at my graph of traffic over like a year, you see these Hacker News spikes, right? And if you took that off, that was 98% of the traffic. So to crash then is like literally all of the traffic. It's the absolute worst possible case. So I was like, God dang. So I call up other bloggers and say, listen, what do you do to stay up when you get on Hacker News or Dig and all these things that existed before you were born? And they were like, I don't know, uh, but if you find it, tell me, because I need that. <laughs> right? So then I turned into a customer discovery mode, which is maybe something we could talk about, how to do that. And I talked to 55 cust potential customers, which took me like four months, because it takes forever to get people on the phone. And I found that there were four things, if I did them, people would spend, give me 10 times as much money as they were currently spending on their site to do these things. And this is where the pitch is, <laughs> right? This is all the lead up, but, the, but so it's because obviously that's gotta be the pitch. So now, now I have to pitch and you can decide if it's any good, right? All right, so you have a website. It's really important that the website is fast. Why? Well, have you ever gone to a website on your phone and it's a white screen and then it takes so long to load that you get tired and hit back? That's like 1.2 seconds or something, right? You're like, ugh. So that's obviously that website could have had a visitor but didn't. And here's the really cool part. They don't even, they can't even measure that. Because since the site never loaded, the web analytics never loaded. So they can't even tell how much traffic they're losing based on that. And then on top of that, when you are slower, Google ranks you lower. All right, well, there goes all your traffic. And there's all this other data, like there's all this data from millions of things that say in e-com, people buy more and even have a larger shopping cart if your site's faster. I don't, I don't even know why, but there's a lot of data from millions of sources that say that. So a fast site equals money. Like if a fast site in e-com equals more money, a fast site in media means you get ranked higher, and they come there, which means the ads show, which equals money. Fast sites equal money in these different verticals. Holy crap, that's kind of important. So speed, that was the first thing. The second thing was scale, which is the problem I had. If you get a whole lot of traffic, it better still be fast and stay up. Duh. The third one is security. That one, I don't even need to pitch you. It's kind of obvious. Of course, I need the site to be secure, so okay. That was a problem 14 years ago when I started WP Engine. Still, like, even more of a problem now used to be, by the way, pause pitch, it used to be that marketers would be like, security, that's what the tech guys do. And they'd say guys, too, because that's, that's what they figured. And, and uh, nowadays, that's not what marketers think, just FYI. Now marketers are like, that's our brand. If we're insecure, our brand is hurt. And that's me, because I'm marketing, I'm brand. So actually, marketers care about security, too, interestingly now. Okay, unpause pitch. And then the fourth thing is service. Like, there are places you could go get a website from, like Amazon or, or Rackspace, and, and they won't talk to you. You say, oh, my site's not working. It's broken. It went down. It's slow. And they're like, that's not what we do. In fact, with Amazon, you can't get anyone to even say that. So not everyone needs service. But if you want it, like, it's going to cost some money, and you, you can't get it normally. So 
You want to go play someplace with their service. So those are the four things. So people that would spend, for example, five, seven dollars at GoDaddy, they'd be willing to spend fifty or a hundred dollars a month if we could have those four things. So that was it. And even today on our website, if you go to it, you'll notice things like speed, security, scale, and service all being things above the fold because it's still why people sign up every day. Now there's a lot more reasons. We have, for example, we have some of the most popular development tools for websites that there is. Some of them are used by millions, plural, people. So like really popular stuff that we also do. So now there's like more reason than that. But that's still a reason why a lot of people sign up and it was the original reason. Everything that you did and everything that you do is within the WordPress ecosystem. So can you talk a little bit about the trade-offs and like the decision to do something where you're kind of like, you know, a little bit within, you know, there's lots of other places where you can be in an ecosystem and in the app store ecosystem and the Google Play ecosystem and, you know, other places like that. But you're in the WordPress ecosystem. And one, you know, just what are the trade-offs of that? And then two, what is what is that? You know what? How does that relate? Something I've asked you, I know, many times before, and other other places. You know, to being in a in a market that's just booming and growing. How, like, how has the WordPress market grown and changed over the time of, w, of WP Engine? Yeah. So those are a couple of questions, and they're all good. So being dependent on an ecosystem is certainly a two-edged sword. The obvious reason is you get to tap into whatever's going on in the ecosystem, which is easier. You usually, know how to get customers better because you go to, like there are word camps where people in WordPress go, so you can go there. There's websites online where you can be. If you have software, there's a, a plugin repository you can put it in. And today, this might be building on ch on ChatGPT. Yeah, ChatGPT. Right, well, you know, is that that's an ecosystem? Has a place. I don't know if it has a place, but like uh, Shopify has a store. Wix has a store. Like lots of these platforms have like stores and places that you can be in to, to do that. Salesforce, since someone brought it up, has, has, has you know, a, a huge multi-billion dollar ecosystem around it. In fact, one of Salesforce's biggest KPIs that they report to the street is how much money their ecosystem, not them, is generating. Because they know that if everyone else is making literally billions, tens of billions of dollars off of Salesforce, they're fine. Because that means everyone in that ecosystem is all aligned to make Salesforce last forever because their own businesses depend upon it. See, that's what a good ecosystem means, is that both businesses are making more money than they could if they weren't participating. So they both have a vested interest in the other continuing. That's the difference between like a, a, a real like economic ecosystem and just like, we're a group and we talk. Like That's not the same thing and that's why. So anyway, so being part of one like that has that advantage. The downside is, your, whatever the downside is of that ecosystem, you also inherit it. So okay, you're in the Salesforce ecosystem, but that means you're not in the HubSpot one, and that's really growing right now. Or the downside of WordPress is WordPress has a bad reputation in a lot of ways. Oh, uh, like maybe it's not secure. Of course, that was one of our value propositions. But oh, like there's all these new things like Wix and Squarespace and Shopify, and if you're a restaurant, you should use Toast, and like there's all this stuff that isn't WordPress. Well, if you're tied to WordPress, then you're just not in all those things. There's a new kind of technology called Headless that's disrupting everything, including WordPress. We have a product for that because that's part of your strategy is to take things that are disrupting you and say, oh, maybe we should have a product for that so that it becomes a growth vector instead of a disruption. So that's that's a thing we're doing. But still, so so the, the, that's a problem. So Twitter is a perfect example. There was a lot of startups that had stuff based on Twitter. And then uh, you know who came in and said, like, I think I want to break everything now, and then did. And so then all these startups are just like literally poof overnight. They're gone. And actually, so, well before Elon bought Twitter, there was an ecosystem of oh, yeah. Twitter apps, yeah. alternate clients, and like a whole, like a lot of them, right? Yeah, and Twitter supported it and allowed it and promoted it. And then one day decided, actually, we want to control all the apps. Yep. There's going to be no more apps. There's just going to be the Twitter app. Yep. And yep. 
those all just disappeared. Zynga is another great example. Did games on on Facebook. Multi-billion dollar company went public, and then Facebook goes, we don't want to do that anymore. And then that was it. <laughs> I guess, you know, so the good news is, but if you're a popular game on Facebook, then you could be a billion dollar revenue company. Oh, that's kind of cool. Unless Facebook changes their mind. So that's the two-edged sword. So should you do that? Well, who knows? Nobody knows. But I think overall it is easier. So although you carry that risk, here's the good news. You know exactly what the risk is. That's the risk, that the ecosystem falls on hard times or there's a crazy person that takes over and does stuff or already was owning it and does stuff. So okay. a couple quick other examples. Solana, right? Building on a Solana blockchain, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? That'd be another example of you're, building, you're picking an ecosystem, right? So you're gonna, you're gonna have, this is gonna happen all over the place, whether it's your whole business or it's a, you know, a core technology or part yeah. of what you do. So there's things you can do. First of all, you can decide not to do it, but one of the things you can do is just decide that being in this ecosystem is phase one. It's how we're gonna get off the ground and make money, get profitable if you're bootstrapping or raise money, if you're raising money. But our, our larger goal is to support many different things so that no, the failure of any one is not fatal. And so this is stuff like what Buffer and Hyperi do, where they're like, well, you'll post on Twitter, but also you can post on LinkedIn, and also it posts on Instagram, and et cetera. And so then if Twitter blows up, it's like, well, you still wanted to post on all those other ones, right? And so that's how they, that, that, that's how they have some resilience to that. So that's an answer. This is really common with things like Shopify plugins. They start supporting big commerce and WooCommerce and all these things. And also in CRM, people do start supporting. Okay, so you can see how, all right, you could have that in mind, that I'm going to start here and use the ecosystem because it's easier to get started, but then expand. We very intentionally don't do that. And uh, that helps us with focus. Also, the WordPress ecosystem is so big that trying to, trying to rail against it is really not that in, in important. WordPress is now 43% of every website on Earth. And we ourselves host more than 2% of every website on Earth. And so it's not that that can't Just ever think disrupt. think about that for a minute. Like, yeah, you can like, let that sink in for number. a second of the scale that we're now right? at. Pretty fun, right? Yeah, we can talk about all numbers. those people that say like if you know if we just got one percent of like yeah. the whole market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're saying on a slide deck all the time. Like yeah. that's like a really popular thing to do, and like yeah. still most people never ever achieve that. But they're like, yeah. no, 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 we got two percent. Yeah, like of the whole world. Yeah. So, so what's what's interesting about that is, it's not that WordPress can't be disrupted or we can't. Of course, so. But what it doesn't happen is that it folds immediately. It, Twitter can because one person can literally turn it off. But WordPress is a completely free open source piece of software. So even if something happened with WordPress, no one's site changes. Now, the future is bleak. You got to do something about it. But right now, next, nothing happens. And you can look in the past and see how things with that kind of a scope and reach in the world, when they actually do get disrupted, it doesn't disappear. It like slowly declines. And it's very sad, but it doesn't just disappear. So like, you know, I don't know if anybody here uses Microsoft Word, but it was literally 90 plus percent of everyone on earth used Microsoft Word. That's been sort of irrelevant for 20 years, 15 years. It still makes, so Microsoft with Office still makes about $120 million a day in profit. And they've been irrelevant for 10, you know, for 15 years. So it's like, well, okay, so that, that's a pretty good decline, I guess, you know. So once thing has, has a momentum, you're, you're kind of okay. So there's no reason for us to go uh, look outside. Although we do, we did with this headless. So actually, that's an interesting question is when do you decide to do like a second product in what way? How do you decide that? That's another interesting thing. But yeah. The growth, you said it's 42% now. What was it when you started? We're and still, how, much yeah. of, how much of that growth of, w, of WordPress 
do you think like you know what what a percentage would you attribute to your success you know like how much yeah. of the success of your company growing was just that you're in this market that was growing and i'm not like i think you guys did so much right it's not like i'm trying to question your success but like what what was the change and, and how much did that affect it yeah so even when we were starting out it was 11 percent, and i used to say in my pitch for was when I was if I was talking to an investor was, I mean the internet is so big compared to us or just in general that it's sort of infinity and so WordPress is 11% of the internet so WordPress is like infinity but minus one zero, we're good <laughs> like it's yeah. just the market's so big who cares like I remember at the very beginning of, of WP Engine like Joe, we were saying, wow it's 11% of the internet like that was huge it is huge it's still, you know yeah, like oh is. my god look it's 11% of the internet right and now it's 40 something percent of the internet like it's so much more 1% of the internet is incredibly massive that's, yeah you know that's it's insane so yeah it was already obviously really really big and and it was already obviously growing so that was an easy thing to invest into now how much of our success is due to that that's actually easy to answer because there were competitors at the time and later both and so there's all these in situ experiments of other people who were riding the same wave same community starting around the same time at least Great two of them were and, and others started later and on the one hand they started later so they had to catch up on the other hand they started later so all of our mistakes and that we figured out they could just skip for example we acquired one of these companies later and we asked them how did you come up with your pricing and they said Oh, we saw that you changed it once, so we just copied you. We figured you knew what you were doing. That's the second mover advantage. It's pretty good. So, okay, so there's people that came with us at the very beginning, and there's people, they started later, but man, they got to avoid a lot of pain. And so, in all cases, it's a good experiment to ask, how did it go? So, of the three of us 